Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Welcome to episode number 157 of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. If you are listening to this via iTunes or whatever way that you listen to this podcast, that's awesome. Great to have you. You might also be watching us on the live stream right now. Today is a very special episode. If you're joining for the first time, I'm your host, John Berghoff, standing in for Hal Elrod, the creator of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Today's episode is special because... I have a guest on this episode, Mr. John Vroman. And John Vroman, for those of you who might not have met John, John is maybe best known as the creator of the Front Row Foundation, which just to give a little backstory, the Front Row Foundation is a wish organization that helps individuals who are braving life-threatening challenges. And the Front Row Foundation sends those individuals to the event of their dreams and creates a front row moment. But what's really cool is that the Front Row Foundation is not only a wish organization, but it's a philosophy. It's a way of living. It's a way of approaching life. And it all began with this man who I'm bringing to you today so that we can not only talk about the Front Row Foundation, but super exciting, the soon-to-be-released Front Row Factor, John's book, that captures the essence and the story and the beauty of his life's work. So this is going to be an awesome episode. We might cut this into two different episodes. I don't really know. You don't really care. We're going to have a great time. Johnny, are you there, buddy? Hey, man. I'm here and I'm excited. Thanks for having me on our buddy's show. This is great. Yeah. yeah I love yeah. it. We love you, Hal. If you're listening, man, we miss you and love you. Hal, we love you, buddy. And you know, for those of you that listen every week, you're well aware of the journey that Hal is on right now. If for some reason you're listening and you're confused or you don't know who Hal is, but we've just told you we're here representing him. Well, he started this podcast three years ago. And if you're not familiar with Hal's journey or his story or why we're standing in, please go back and listen to episode 152, which will tell you a little bit about what he's got going on. In a nutshell, Hal is battling a rare form of cancer right now. And I will give a quick update to those of you who know Hal and are close with him, both John and I are in close contact with Hal almost every day. And his spirits are great. His spirits are great. You know, Johnny, people ask me, I'm sure they ask you, like, how's Hal? It's like, you know, it's an awkward question to answer. But the reality is he's in great spirits and he's battling. And if there's anybody who can set an example in the face of a crazy adversity, like some rare, crazy form of cancer. It's Hal. So Hal, if you're listening, buddy, and to all of you who are listening, as we do from time to time on these episodes, we're all sending you and anybody else who needs it, all the positive, loving energy that we have. And on that note, I'm going to bring Johnny Broman in here, who Johnny and Hal and I go back many, many years. Hal has been the biggest supporter, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, of the Front Row Foundation. So it is so fitting that we're here to talk about and celebrate the work and the life of Mr. Front Row himself, Johnny Broman. So Johnny, let's talk about what is really exciting in your world, which is the book, which is coming out real soon. You pumped, man? You know, I am beyond pumped and I'm terrified all at the same time. 
I just had lunch with my wife and she asked me how it was going with the book. And I said, I'm both so proud and excited for the book to be shared with people because we've worked for years on this book. And it's truly the story of the charity and what we've learned about life from people fighting for it. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure at the same time that I feel in trying to honor all those recipients and the people who've poured their hearts and souls into building the charity. And so I really care deeply about this book. And we've had many eyes on the book and the process. So far, the feedback has been really positive. And I think the book got really good when we just started focusing on everybody else's stories and how remarkable the people are that we serve and what our community has learned over the years. So I'm pumped, man. This is really an exciting time. I want to share with everyone who's listening or if you're watching us stream this live through the Facebook community. And if you are, you're welcome to post comments or questions. I'll find a way to make sure we can see them here. We're happy to interact if you have questions directly, John, about the book. But Johnny, I want to say I got a chance to get a sneak preview of the book. You sent it to me a couple of weeks ago. And as I was reading through it, you know, I had this feeling and this feeling that I was looking at something that was going to do a lot of good in the world. And as I'm reading through story after story after story, and most of the folks listening to this probably have not yet gotten a copy of the book. Well, I don't know if that's the one they're listening to. As I'm reading these stories, I'm thinking, wow, this is so real. Like the richness and the depth of all of these amazing stories that you bring into this book. And then on top of that, the book has so much depth in teaching people how to bring the most out of any moment, how to give the most to a moment, how to make the most out of any moment. And that's the subtitle of your book, right? The Front Row Factor. What is the official subtitle at this point? Transform your life with the art of moment making. Dude, I love that. So let's go like through the book today. This is a sneak preview. And you know, tell us about the journey of putting the book together and maybe uh, take us through some of the core lessons in the book. I think everyone would love to hear that. Yeah. And for anybody that's watching on live stream, my beautiful wife just showed up to the rescue of my cough with a hot tea. For everybody listening on the podcast, go check out the video when you get a chance. All right. So <laughs> the book itself, let me give you a little preview as to what I think the book will do for people in the end. I'll go right to the end with the big benefit. And the reality of the book, I think, is that it is, as I said before, and I think this is really important, it's everything we've learned about living life from people fighting for it. And there's a famous Steve Jobs quote that I'll paraphrase and that he said something to the effect of, in the face of death, so much fades away and what's left is what's truly important. And what we realize is that our lives, for everybody listening, whether or not you are facing a life-threatening illness, we have only a certain number of moments in our lives. And I remember somebody telling me years ago about a person who had a bowl of marbles on their dresser. And the marbles represented the number of Saturdays they thought they had left in their life. So as an example, they just said, if I live to be 100 and you know, I'm roughly 40 years old right now, I would have this many Saturdays left in my life if I lived to be 100. And he counted out that many marbles. And every Saturday morning, he would move one marble from one bowl to another. And he would see his life kind of unfolding. And it was a reminder for him to be present in the moment and to really appreciate the time that he had. And although he would anticipate perhaps that he might live to be 100, none of us know how long we really have. Tomorrow is guaranteed to nobody. 
And the essence of the book is knowing that our lives are made up of all these moments. And our job is to figure out how to maximize each and every one of those moments. And if we can figure that piece out, if we can figure out how to enter each day with an anticipation and with an intention and with a desire to create something exciting or to recognize something exciting throughout the day, that's a brilliant way to get. And I know many listening, by the way, do that with their miracle morning. In fact, this morning, I was in this very office where I'm recording this podcast. It was about 5.30. My son woke up to go to the bathroom. He's seven years old. And he walked into my office and I'm reading a book. And you know, we had this moment where we connected over our miracle morning. And that's a time for me when I set out my intentions for the day, what I'm going to create, how I'm going to create magic moments. So I'm fueling myself. I always say, you have to take a moment for yourself before you go out to be a moment maker for the world. Let me say that again. You have to take a moment for yourself before you go out and create moments for the world. And then I think the second piece, JB, and I'm just kind of giving away the whole grand finale here at the end because this is the essence. And even if somebody were only to be able to listen to a few minutes of this podcast, they'll get the entire essence of what we're talking about here is that we go through each of our days asking, how do we recognize or create what we call a front row moment in our lives. And a front row moment is just when we get close to something that inspires us. You know, think about the metaphor of being in the front row at one of your favorite events, whether that be a concert or a sporting event or whatever it might be. And this idea of getting close to the things that inspire us, that's the essence of the front row moment. And so a front row moment could be literally standing in front of a sunset, or it could be watching your kids play. It could be creating in your business. It could be having a wonderful conversation where you're asking questions and learning. It could be where you're sharing something with somebody. But regardless, it's a moment that matters. It's a moment that we can say yes to in life. And sometimes our front row moments aren't favorable, but they can work in our favor. Let me say that again. Sometimes front row moments are not favorable per se, but they can work in our favor. And that's where we look for the gift and a challenge. And then finally, the last piece of the puzzle for people is how do we celebrate these moments? In other words, how do we wrap up every day looking back and celebrating the best of what was? So in our house, we just, we constantly ask, Hey, what were your front row moments today? And we highlight and celebrate and relive these moments. And there's a lot of great research that talks about the power of looking back and bringing our history into the present moment and being able to relive that once again. And I think when we do those three things, we become moment makers in our lives. We set our intentions in the morning of what we're going to create. We go through the day and ask, how can we recognize or create the best of every moment? And then we get to the end of the day and we celebrate our front row moments and our experiences. And what's really cool about that is that we're constantly living in the moment. You know, even when we have hope for the future, Johnny, we're always going out into the future and bringing that power into the present moment. When we're looking back and celebrating, we're bringing the past into the present moment and feeling that. And our lives become more about how do we make the most of each and every moment? And I think, and here's what I think the big piece of this book is, this is the key to life. You know, this is really how we get to the end of our lives, look back without regret by knowing that we made the most of every moment that we were given. That's my big overarching you know, description of what the essence of the book is all about. Thank you for tuning in to episode 159. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man.
Wow, Johnny, I was just, I was just trying to make your job easier, man. I was dude. like, I'll oh, just keep talking. He doesn't have to ask any questions. And anyone who knows us knows that there's no, <laughs> like, I didn't come here with any questions. I just had to wind you up and then sit down and just That's become right. an audience member. And I was, and I was, I just sat here and took notes. Like, you're such a professional speaker that you knew after you said something to say it again. That was so great. But I, I want to repeat back a few things for our audience here, Johnny, just to buy you time. Not that you need it, but you just said, you know, learning about living life from people who are fighting for it. And there's a lot of books out there, a lot of books about living life, but what a unique perspective. What a unique perspective. And, you know, the title of this podcast, as our good friend Hal began this three years ago, was Achieve Your Goals Podcast, right? It's about people achieving their goals. And I just want to make clear that I know both Hal and I believe this and in you and what you're sharing so deeply that Sometimes when we get really caught up in achieving our goals, we get distracted from what's important. And the irony, I believe, is that that would be the fastest way to achieve my goals is if I get more present to making more moments for myself and others. And so this is so real and so relevant. And John, what I love too is that you are the guy to write this book, right? You are the guy. You are a guy who has made front row moments for me and for so many others, for those of you that don't know, John, you introduced my wife and I to each other, right? That was a front row moment. Gosh, how many years ago was that? that was 10 years ago, 11 years ago in your basement. That was so cool. You then married us, right? And so I've had the privilege of seeing you create front row moments for me, but for a lot of other people too. And you are so the right guy to be bringing this book to the world. You were made to bring this book to the world. In fact, our listeners who don't know the whole story, I know there's a group here, you know the story, but for many of you who don't, John, can you bring everyone back to the creation of the Front Row Foundation? Because when you share this story, I'd love for everyone to listen to this. It's so revealing of just some beautiful lessons in paying attention to signals in life because our life might be telling us exactly what to do, but we miss it. But you did it. You listened to some signals and took a risk and went out on a limb and You've helped a lot of people because of that. To bring us all the way back to the beginning of the Front Row Foundation. Yeah, man. I think there were three things that happened. And the timing was perfect of these three transformational moments in my life. One of which was I was in my late 20s and I was watching an infomercial on TV. And sure enough, Tony Robbins appears. And I remember questioning as he was pitching his personal growth program, remember questioning, is it really worth it? Like, is it really worth 200 bucks to buy these CDs? And the conversation then switched to not, is it worth it, but am I worth it? And I think that's a big piece of living life in the front row is deciding that we're worthy of the pursuit of a front row life. And that was a big moment for me. And so I got the CDs and I started learning, much like those listening to this podcast, wanting to grow ourselves personally. You know, how constantly quotes... I Jim Rohn and that idea that our level of professional growth never exceed our level of personal growth. And the idea for me was that investing in myself was a big step. But what was the shocker for me was when Tony talked so much about giving to the world. It wasn't just about my growth. It was about how I could contribute and give back. And what I recognized was that I was missing some type of meaning and purpose in my life that came by way of contribution, genuine contribution. So this was lingering in my mind of like, how can I contribute in a bigger way to the world? That question was existing. And we know, and you know, Johnny B, because you teach this, the power of a question. That Once that seed is planted in our mind, it goes to work. And so that was hanging there in the back of my mind. The second thing that happened was I was at a Jason Mraz concert. 
And I was in the very back row and I noticed that there was this group of girls in the front having the time of their life. And I remember turning to my girlfriend and saying, man, life is different in the front row. And see, that was a moment for me when I recognized that, you know, so much of our world is created by A, what we decide it's going to be, but B, where we put ourselves, you know, the people that we put ourselves around, the places that we put ourselves. I recognized in that moment what Tony Robbins talked about when he used to say, proximity is power. And what that means for anybody who's listening who goes, hmm, what, what was that? Proximity is power is just when we get close to something that inspires us, we get great power from that. It's why people pay huge dollars to be front row to their favorite event. It's why real estate in downtown Manhattan or real estate on the ocean front is the most expensive because of where it is, because of what it's in proximity to. It's why the old quote of you become like your five closest friends is so true. And that the book Connected, written by Christakis and Fowler, have proved that. That is what we mean by proximity is power. And so I just thought to myself, man, I've been going through life kind of as a spectator, just watching from a distance, kind of taking whatever seat I get. And I thought, you know, I want to be a little more intentional about how I live. I'd like to be choosing the seat that I get. Now, I want to say this is a very important point, which is that we don't always choose our seat in life, but we do choose whether or not we have a front row experience in life. So I'm not saying that I wasn't grateful for my seat. In fact, you could argue that there's great perspective being in the back row. And it's not about whether or not it's the front row. It's figuring out what your front row is. In other words, the best seat in the house for you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, regardless of who you are, this is about you getting your best seat. And we always talk about in our charity that if you don't like your seat, change it. But if you can't change it, just own that seat. Make the most of it. And so this concept of being in the front row and choosing our seat in life, that all happened at the Jason Mraz show. That was the second transformational moment. And then the third was just that, you know, we were stepping up big in life. You know, this was just after this, you know, man, I want to live life in the front row philosophy that was sort of setting into my heart. And my buddy and I, Jamie Bogger, and I decided that we were going to run an ultra marathon. And this was a 52 mile run. And what happened, and this is really interesting, is that as we were training for the run, we were searching for a deeper purpose. We needed more meaning to this than just going past the finish line. So we started saying, wait a minute, this idea of contribution, this question's hanging in my head. How could we give to a charity? But then the conversation turned to, what if we created a charity? What would that look like? And we just started dreaming. And what came from that conversation was the idea of Front Row Foundation. And the minute that we thought of Front Row Foundation, I will tell you that something magical happened in that moment, which is that I was no longer tired. See, I was on a training run and it was about eight miles in. But the minute that I had deep purpose now, I had something else, some external factor that was almost pulling me forward, I found great energy. That's been the case for the last 11 years. That What we realized in that moment was that purpose brings power to your present moment. And that was the birth of the Front Row Foundation. That idea led to us sending out a letter to our friends. We raised some money and we started the charity. But it was those three concepts, knowing number one, that I wanted to give, knowing number two, that I had to choose my experience in life and that I could step up into the front row. And number three, that there was this great deep meaning and purpose that I was longing for and that we could create by serving others. And then in that moment, uh, that was sort of the beginning of it all. And since then, it's been 11 years, we've created nearly 100 experiences. And I want to take a minute here, man, and just shine light back on you because for everybody listening, this is kind of fun for me to be able to say, 
John Berghoff as the host of the show is also a founding member of The Front Row. Been there since day one. You know, Johnny, you have been, this is fresh in my heart because I just wrote this in the book that I literally thought about this. I go, almost every brilliant idea that we've had as a charity in the last 11 years could somehow be linked back to John Berghoff. <laughs> I thought if you just trace the rabbit, you're like, go down the rabbit hole all the way. It ends with John Berghoff usually saying something or making some decision. But John, you've served the charity in so many amazing ways. You hosted Sophie's front row event, Kelly Clarkson. We could talk about that story. You and I ran an ultra marathon to raise money for the charity. And I just want to take a minute to shine the light on you because when I look back over the last 11 years and we wrote the book, dude, you have been at the core and of the creation of the front row and what we are and who we are. And so I just want to tell you in front of everybody, I love it. Hey, thanks, Johnny. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. I love you too. And, and I guess I'll take the opportunity to just share, you know, for everyone who's listening, who many may have just heard for the first time, the origin story. It's probably now easy or easier to see why the Front Row Foundation has so many fans because, yes, it is a wish organization that helps people at a crazy time in their lives. And what it does for them and their families especially is a big deal. But for me, that's not why I support it. It's part of the reason. And I don't support it because it's you. Like, I love supporting a friend. But I think if you weren't there, I think I'd still be a big fan because it's about the philosophy that the front row teaches to people. Everything you just taught us about making the most out of the moment. It's, you know, as a parent, I hear that and I think there's nothing more important. As an entrepreneur, I hear that and I think there's nothing more important. As a husband, I hear that. I think there's nothing more important. As a human being, it's like, what could be more important? So thank you, Johnny, for creating something that people like me, I got a copy of that letter, right? Whenever that was 12 years ago, I got one of those original letters. And it's fun to think about, you know, it's something that we might write or a decision we might make or a goal that we might set. And 12 years from now, what could still be around or what could be created or what could flourish? So that's totally awesome, man. It's totally awesome. Johnny, when you think about everything that the Front Row Foundation has taught you that you've learned speaking and coaching, let's go right into the book and maybe some of your favorite lessons, some of the lessons in the book that you're just pumped to bring to the world. And I know many of these you've been bringing to the world for a long time, but are there any that jump out? You think, you know, here's some that I I just can't wait for people to come across. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because in the beginning, when we started this 11 years ago, it was really about making this one big day super amazing for somebody who really deserved it. And our intentions were pure and we had heart and soul behind every front row experience we were creating. Looking back now, after 11 years, we were able to see some things that previously weren't even on my radar. And one of those was that there were a couple of forces at work that were really moving people's souls in ways that I couldn't articulate in the beginning. I'll give you an example. So one was we had a recipient His name was Thomas K. And Thomas was fighting for his life and he was undergoing serious medical treatments. He was in a wheelchair. He was losing his eyesight. And formerly, he was a very, very passionate rugby player. And we heard about Thomas and his story and our heart broke for Thomas and what he was going through. We created a front row event for him with our Canadian team to send he and his family to go see the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. And one of the things that I remember hearing was that as Thomas was 
battling through physical therapy, he was using his event in the future as power for his present moment. In other words, he would say that I'm going to work extra hard in physical therapy so I can stand during the national anthem during my front row event. And what I recognize now is that, and science and research now shows this better than ever before, but having hope, and hope is very different than wishful thinking. See, hope is something that, hey, I imagine the future to be different and I believe that I can do something about it. See, it's a philosophy of empowerment to say that I have hope for the future. One of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption, there's a quote at the end that says, hope is a good thing, may the best of things and good things never die. And this idea that, you know, wanting to have this hope and this dream that pulls us forward in our lives, we realize that people could use the future, not to ignore the present moment, but to bring power to it. The second thing that we recognized was that there was a power of celebration that was occurring. Like I thought it was just about the a day and go out, have an amazing day, limousines, dinners, front row event. And yeah, we would do pictures and video, but I didn't recognize the power of that until later. And what I really recognized was one story that comes to mind is Carrie Smolensky, one of our good friends and board member, a guy who's been there from the get-go. Carrie told me about one of our recipients, his name was Mike Lee. Now, Mike was a young man who we took to go see the Pirates show in South Carolina. It was the first time he was on an airplane, the first time he was ever in a hotel, the first time he saw the ocean. It was an amazing event of firsts for Mike and his family. One of the things that really stood out for me about this event was that when Carrie told me he went to go see Mike in the hospital, see, Mike was fighting for his life and the doctors told him that this was the end. Carrie went to go see the family. And when he showed up, he saw Mike sitting in his hospital bed, flipping through his photo book, smiling ear to ear. And what we realized was that families were able to look back on their front row events and pull energy into the present moment. When people are listening to this, I want you to understand that in our lives during the most difficult times, we can look back and pull strength from our best experiences in life. And we saw that with recipient after recipient, they would talk about their videos, they would talk about their photo books, and they would talk about how cherished they are. They would talk about how their photo books became you know, centerpieces of their coffee tables and that their videos they would show to every one of their friends. And that you know, for one out of every two of our recipients over the last 11 years who have lost their lives, their family members get to hold on to those moments forever. You know, and those became treasured items in their lives, you know, treasured memories. And I didn't realize the importance of that until I would see somebody 10 years later telling me about their event. In fact, Thomas Kay, who I just mentioned earlier, we went to his mom's Facebook page recently, writing the book, we were in communication. And still, this is almost nine years later, the cover photo is of her and her family's front row picture. That's nine years later. That is still the banner photo on their page. And so I recognize the power of that. And then finally, Johnny, the last piece of this, the last kind of force that was at work was that it was all about living in the moment. You know, people would say that to us. They're like, man, front row is all about living in the moment. It's about this metaphor of like, we're here. It's now. The show is live. That band may play that song a million more times, but never just like this one. In this moment, this moment's special. And what we recognize is that while we're looking out and having hope for the future that brings power to the present, the celebration brings the past into the present moment and living in the moment is really what it's all about. And so if it was all about living in the moment, then it became, how do we become moment makers in our lives? That became our primary question of how do we help people 
to make the most of every moment in their lives, regardless of circumstances, some good, arguably some not so good. Clearly though, we to choose what we make of that experience and choosing our attitude and our perspective on life is the most empowering thing we have. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, that's all we really have control over is what do we do with this moment? How do we approach it? How do we make the most of it? And that's what moment makers do. Wow. Johnny, I, uh, I'm loving this, man. I'm loving this. I just took a few notes. I also typed a couple notes into the chat box on the live stream. But I wrote down a couple questions that I've just pulled out of what you just shared. And I'd encourage all of our listeners to think about these questions. Think about them all the time. And if I say these too quickly and you can't write them down, good. You got to go buy the book. And this is so great. What are you hopeful for? What images of your future give you a sense of hope? And, you know, I also thought to myself, Johnny, that as you said that, I thought, gosh, I have things that I'm hopeful for, but I don't connect often enough to the things that I'm hopeful for, right? I don't make it a consistent enough habit. So you just touched on this, that, hey, this ought to be the kind of thing that we ask ourselves every day. And as soon as you said that, I thought that makes so much sense that what I am hopeful for or what I could be hopeful for, that's the kind of question that is only going to do good to bring into my life more often. And I typed this in here. I've typed into the chat on the live stream. What's an example, for those of you listening, an example or moment or a story from your life when you were at your best? When were you most fully alive? And then as John put it, how can you celebrate that moment and what you brought to that moment and what that moment brought out of you and what others brought to that moment? And how can you pull that greatness into the present, right? Sometimes I think that's got to be so helpful just to realize I've had moments, I've had times, I've had experiences that just by reflecting on them, I can bring all of the good from that moment into the present. I can remember who I was and how I showed up and how that moment invited me to show up. And then finally, just being in the present, living in the moment, getting the most out of, giving the most to, enjoying whatever's happening right now. That's awesome. And I know, John, that that is a core part of the framework of the book. So I'm so glad that you shared that today because people are going to love getting that. Hey, anything else you want to add about the book, wherever you want to go? It's full of incredible stories, uh, insights, just like what you're sharing. And what else jumps out for you? Oh, man. I could talk about the book for days, man. I could talk about the book for days. I'll give you three areas of focus that I think people need to give attention to if they want to be moment makers in their lives. Because we ask the question, how do we live more in the present moment? How do we make the most of every moment that we have? And what we realized was that there were really, for the people who were doing it successfully, there were these three areas of focus, if you will, in their lives. One of which, and these won't be new, by the way, because I think that we all know them intuitively, but I challenge everybody as I share these to hear them as a student. In other words, how can you hear these with a fresh set of ears today as a master, you know, somebody looking for mastery in their lives? You know, it's interesting, masters are the ones that typically are the most interested in the basics or the basic principles and mastering them. So here are three basics that we saw. Nearly 100 recipients. Clearly, it was that who was in their front row. We call this who's in your front row. The relationships that they chose in their life had a massive impact on whether or not they made the most of every moment. In other words, listen, if you went on a road trip and you were with 
horrible people. <laughs> you could arguably have a good time and make the most of the experience because you control your mindset. You might find humor in it. You might find that, you know, hey, it's good to practice patience or acceptance of diversity. But the reality is if you had five or seven of your best friends on a road trip, arguably that makes it a lot easier to have a good time. And to relate this directly to the experiences that our recipients were having, when we sent them to an event, one of the questions is, who do you want to go with? And selecting who we want to go to the show with in life is a very important decision that we make. And so, you know, we use the term, who's in your front row is painting this picture that imagine you're going through life and all the people that you meet in your life kind of are at your show. And it might be hundreds and thousands of people that you meet, but just like every performer, you've only got so many seats front and center and you're going to have to pick who you give the best seat in the house to. And sitting next to me or hanging next to me on my wall right now is what I consider to be my front row. It's my top eight relationships. And one of the things I'll encourage everybody to do today is to take a moment, think about who are your eight most important relationships in life? Now, again, you'll know hundreds and maybe thousands of people that you'll know and love and care for. You might lead teams with many, many people. But in your life, you need to establish who's your front row, your top eight. And then one of the things that I would challenge everybody to do is that just like Front Row Foundation helps dreams come true, and Front Row Foundation is this metaphor of being in the front row, you need to be a fan for people in life. You need to show up for people. So one of the twists to this is it's not always who's in your front row, but Johnny, you've said this many times, which is whose front row are you in? In other words, moment makers show up for people and cheer them on. They step up into people's lives and they become a raving fan. So I want you to think today about who are the most important relationships in your life and how can you help those eight people to achieve their goals? Because if you want to achieve your goals, help enough people achieve their goals. And that's been said by countless brilliant people. I think Zig Ziglar is one of the most famous quoted, like, if you want to live your dreams, help enough people live theirs. But the concept is about showing up into people's lives. And so that's one of the biggest things is relationships. Not only who do you invite to go to the show, but whose show do you show up for? And here's a concept I want you to realize. The best fans get the best show. In other words, when you give great energy, you get a better show. When you show up to life giving great energy, you're going to get a better show from life. And that metaphor is super important. So that's just one of the focuses is relationships. I could go on. There's two others. There's one that deals with mindset and one that deals with environment. And we should talk about those, but I don't want to talk for too long before I let you chime in. Man. What are your thoughts about this, Johnny V? I'll turn this interview back on you. No, I remember we were, um, you and I had a fun conversation not long ago about what are all the things that are going through your head as you're walking through an airport. And one of the things that you shared was that you have a genuine question in your head. And I remember as soon as you shared this, I thought, wow, this is so revealing because it's not the genuine question that I have. And there was a little part of me that's like, oh man, am I broken or am I a bad person? <laughs> and you know, all of that could be true, I guess. But the reality was it was just kind of an intention that you have, but it is your natural intention. And I love that it was your answer. And that the thought that you have that dominates your head is, how can I connect with this person? Can I have a connection with this stranger right now? And my guess is there's a lot of folks listening who 
might hear that and go, yeah, I have a thought like that. And there's probably many folks like me who are like, wow, that's not my genuine thought. And it's not a surprise that people who know you, John, always feel really authentically connected to you to know that that's an intention that you have everywhere you go. So I just wanted to share that everybody that, you know, John walks this talk at the level of it's deeper than just something that he's putting in a book. It's really who he is and how he lives. So it's awesome. John, you mentioned environment. You and oh, I. Hey, yeah. JB, real quick. I want to make a comment about that too, because I think Please. it's important for people to know about that piece of me. Probably many people listening is that that came from a place of pain in my life. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, when I look back on my world, I think about feelings of being insignificant, not being noticed. You know, part of my story we didn't get into is that I was really short in high school. I mean, I'm talking like 410, 85 pounds driving a car type of short, like bone age of a nine year old. That sounds like and a problem. I, I had this feeling that I wasn't enough and that I wasn't seen or noticed or celebrated, if you will. And that my parents were amazing people. They didn't do anything wrong. It was just a feeling that I had adopted in my life. And I'd created this story around it all. And so now I have this deep desire to help people always feel witnessed, celebrated, loved, acknowledged. And that place of wanting to give that feeling away comes from a place of wanting to have that feeling in my life. And so I think that for a lot of us, that's turning our pain into our purpose. And I think everybody has pieces of their past that are painful and they don't have to be the story of why they hold us back. They can be the story of how they help us to serve and provide genuine fuel for our mission today. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. John, you were starting to talk about environment. And I remember I was visiting your home back when you lived in New Jersey. And I remember, I don't know why, I was I looked into your closet one day and inside the door of your closet, you had listed out all of your values. And you had a list of not only what you valued, but like how you knew if you were living out those values. And I go way back to how long ago I've learned from you the value of environment. And a decade or more later, you know, that is something that you have taught and that I have become, I guess, almost paranoid about. So if someone's watching, (laughs) someone's watching the live stream, like here, I'll turn my computer, like, my office here, you know, everything on the walls is some sort of symbol. Everything from the bonsai tree on the coffee table, you can't see it, to the pictures of nature, like the fact that there's one picture is in, it's actually the top photo and the bottom photo on that wall right there. Yosemite, but one is in the heart of winter and one is in the middle of summer. And it's a symbolic reminder for me to find beauty in the seasons. Everything that I look at has some sort of symbolic meaning. I was just visiting with you and I both met earlier this year, Christopher Lockhead. I was at his house out in Santa Cruz last week and I go to the bathroom and I go into his bathroom. Now, Chris has done really well for himself. Amazing guy. And he's a marketing genius and he's a pleasure to be around. And if anyone is listening and wants to go learn from Chris, go check out his podcast, Legends and Losers. It is one of a kind and well worth the time. I walk into the bathroom off of his kitchen and hanging on the wall above the sink, he probably doesn't want me to announce this, that people go try and rob his house. He has three boxing gloves. One of them is signed by Sugar Ray Leonard. One of them is signed by Mike Tyson. And the other one is signed by Muhammad Ali. And this is just one of his bathrooms 
his entire house is decorated with symbols from musicians, athletes, actors, and every single symbol has a meaning for Chris. None of it is on accident. And I just share that with all of our listeners to encourage you to think about what is everything that is in your physical environment all the time? Could you step it up all in terms of what are you seeing? What are you looking at? Even when you're doing something as simple as going to the bathroom, let alone where do you work all the time? Is your environment totally inspiring? You've taught me a lot about that, John. Yeah. And I think it's so important because, listen, you know, we always talk about mindset being the most important piece of somebody living life in the front row. Mindset, mindset, mindset. It's how we view life. It's the questions we ask. It's the thoughts we have. But what's interesting is that our environment oftentimes creates those feelings, dictates what our next thought is going to be. It controls our focus. I mean, advertisers spend countless dollars trying to get your attention driving down the road, billboards, you know, watching TV. It's everything that's trying to be fed into your mind to control your next thought or your action. Why are we not our own chief marketing officers? Why doesn't everybody just pause for a moment and hire yourself as your own chief marketing officer of your life so that you dictate what ads come your way, that you dictate the environment that causes you to think differently? You know, I like to think that it's not that I'm not smart, which is why I hang all this stuff up around. It's because I am smart enough to know that that's how my brain works is that it causes me to think differently. Hanging to my left right now, you know, are my goals. Then it's my front row. I have this big dry erase board next to me that's blank presently because I want it to be a space that challenges me to write. I've got my calendar on the wall. You know, we were given a tour of the office. So here, look, I've got over there, buddy, look at that. That's our picture from our dinner in Cleveland with Jeff Hoffman. And then look at the box of shoes up there. You gave me those shoes. That's the Scott Jurek shoes. You know, and there's all these little pieces of important reminders in our lives. I hang up questions constantly. You know, I think that creating our environment is so powerful. And you know, we saw this. I'll link back to how this all came to be and why this is important in the front row factor. When we took a recipient out of their day-to-day experience of life and put them somewhere new, somewhere fresh. You know, a concert, if we just use that as an example, it's lights, you know, maybe it's outdoors, maybe there's tons of people. That environment changes the way we feel. We can't help but get caught up in that, this production of life. And, you know, our environment's important. You know, it's clearly very important. We noticed that recipients had a shift in their emotional state because of the environment change. When we run live events like our dad's retreat or when you're conducting best year ever, you know, live event, these are environments that by people literally removing themselves from their day to day lives and going somewhere different, something shifts, something changes. That's an essential piece of life. Our friend Jim Shields wrote a book called The Family Board Meeting. When we take our children out on what he calls these board meetings and we spend a couple of hours, no electronics and an activity of their choosing, we're oftentimes changing our environment. It's why you, John, go running often and you spend time in nature because that environment fuels you, right? And so what I had asked everybody to consider in your life right now is what environment brings about your best? And choosing environments where you can thrive, literally just like the basic metaphor of a plant in rich soil with the right sunlight and the right amount of water where it can become and grow to its fullest potential. Think about what environment you could choose to put yourself into. And then think about how do you adjust your current environment? 
Because listen, if you want to be a moment maker in life, no doubt that having the right environment makes it much easier to do so. In other words, when I take my wife to an amazing restaurant and the ambiance is there, which is a critical factor for me in having a great dining experience, I know that only perpetuates a better experience that night. You know, I, yes, I want to rely. Tell us what that means. (laughs) I want to, yeah, exactly. It's the end result is a front row moment. So the, (laughs) the idea. The idea in our world is to shape our environment. I'll give you one more practical example, JB. And that is, you know, we chose to move to Austin recently because we looked at what we valued in life, what was most important to us. And when we thought about that, here's what it was. Climate. We were very focused on a warmer, I can be outdoors in warm weather year round environment. My wife grew up in Siberia and she's had enough of the cold. She never wants any more of that. The second one was about culture. Hey, what type of area is it? What type of culture is it? What is the vibe? I call that the vibe of an area, right? The culture. And then the third piece is the community itself. You know, what types of people are attracted to that culture? What type of people do you meet when you go to the grocery store and you go to the gym? Who are the people there? Because I wanted to choose an area where people had similar values or aligned. When we looked at those things, Austin won out for us as to where we wanted to live. Hudson, a very close second, a very perfect climate. (laughs) Photo finish. finish. But we chose Austin because, and I will tell you this, we've never been happier. Never been happier. Now, not everybody is in a position right now where you can just pick up and move your family across the country or do whatever, but understand the principles of what I'm talking about. That how can we make tiny shifts to our environment? What could you literally pull out and write on a piece of paper right now and hang it on your wall, whether it's your number one goal, whether it's your top eight relationships or something to decorate or create an environment that inspires you? I used to write notes to my son on the bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker every day. You know, and that's just a way to shape his thinking. He would be affected by that and that would change his mood. I was, I don't have a mic to drop. Hey, JB, let me share one other quick thing real fast that I think is really important because we talked about it a couple of times and I want to give one example and one story of this. Only after I tell people that if they want to hear more from you, they should go check out your podcast, The Front Row Factor. Mm, All right, continue. Yeah. Yeah. Hal was one of our first guests. You've been on there. Chris Lockhead was a guest. So listen, it's mindset is the big key. And I want everybody to realize that everything is mindset. It ultimately comes down to how do we approach any situation? Because regardless of your circumstances, your mindset determines how you're going to make the most of every moment that you're given. And I want to share a quick story that I think exemplifies a powerful mindset. So there was a woman named Nikki who I had the privilege of creating a front row event for just a couple of months ago. She went to go see a Dallas Cowboys game. It was her and her husband, John, and she was battling breast cancer, stage four, chemo and radiation. So she had lost her hair. And in the limousine, she had said to me, you know, John, sometimes when I'm out in public and I'm wearing a hat, people will look at me with disgust. And when she said that, my heart got super heavy and I was so sad. She immediately followed up by saying, and it makes me happy. And I thought, oh man, tell me more. What do you mean? And she said, John, it makes me happy because in order for that person to look at me with disgust, it must mean that they have never had a personal experience battling cancer. They certainly have never had anybody that they love or care about that has battled cancer. Because if they did have context to my situation, they would not be looking at me in that way. So I am happy that they don't have any ability to relate to what I'm going through. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, that is such an incredibly powerful way to view the situation. And what I was reminded of is that there is no reality until we decide what's real. We get to determine the meaning of life. We get to give it you know, meaning and purpose based on what we choose to see as real in that moment. And Nikki just exemplified that perfectly. So I don't know that I would respond that powerfully. I hope that I might based on what I've learned from people who have faced the most challenging situations and how they've overcome them. I have been constantly blown away by how people have responded to challenges in particular and it's coming full circle back to what you said about how. So, you know, Tatiana, for those listening, that's my wife who is into homeopathy and she was delivering some stuff to Hal this morning. And I said, how's Hal? And she said, his spirit is amazing. And that's what she responded with. His spirit is amazing. And JB, you and I both see it all the time that Hal is a great example of somebody that even I'll tell you how behind the scenes, he is remarkably optimistic and positive. Now, does Hal have a bad moment? Sure. He admits that he does. He talks about that, but he doesn't stay there. I think he experiences the full range of emotions of life. He just chooses to live in a place that empowers him to do the best he can with what he has. And that, I think, is the essence of being in the front row. I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. And this is what we've learned from so many people. You don't always choose your seat in life. But you do choose whether or not you have a front row experience. Hey, if you don't like your seat, change it. But if you can't change it, then own it. Own what you've got and make the most of that current situation. See, moment makers both recognize and create the best of any moment possible for themselves and others. They make the moment, favorable or not, it's something that can work in their favor. So that is the essence of a front row mindset. And the book is just everything that we've learned, stories like Nikki. And I could go on and on and tell you story after story of recipients who step up in life and regardless of their challenges, make the most of the time they have. And that inspires me. And I wanted to share that in the book. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Hey, for those of you that have enjoyed this, a couple of things. One is make sure to go follow John at the Front Row Factor, the name of his podcast. JV, where do people make sure to go so they find the book? Do you have a special place right now that you want them to go find you? Frontrowfactorbook.com. Frontrowfactorbook.com. And we'll link to that in the email and show notes and best signals or whatever else we send out with these episodes. So it's perfect. Johnny, before we part ways, there's a couple opportunities for people to get to hang out directly with you. One, which is coming up. So I just realized that we got to make sure to mention this. For anyone who's listening, who is a dad or knows a dad, if you know a dad and you care about that dad, or you are a dad and you care about yourself, you got to look into the Front Row Dads Retreat. Johnny, do you want to take a second to just share with people what that's about? I know there's an event coming up in Austin. Yeah, this amazing group of guys that are committed to being outstanding fathers, getting together, taking time to work on their families. You know, one of the reasons I created this event is I wanted to go to it. I created the event I wanted to attend myself. And when I looked at my calendar, man, I had invested in how to become a better speaker and how to grow myself personally over here. And 
had all these areas where I was investing dollars, time and energy into growing myself. But I looked at my calendar and I'm like, where's the time to work on my family? And I think people listening get the difference between working in your business as an example or working on your business. And working on your business is just taking a day or two to step back, get some perspective, create a plan. And so that you're not just being efficient, doing the wrong thing fast or spending a lot of time with your family, but not being effective, but it's knowing exactly what lever to pull, exactly what values we want to instill in our children, exactly where we want to spend time so that when we take a time to work on our families, we go back and we're more effective. And that's what we created was a shift in environment, a chance for guys to get together, like-minded, like-hearted guys, entrepreneurial focused guys, typically We have all different type of people in the group with kids of all different ages and the dads just come together and get some time. And I think that for many of our dads, this is one of the things they view as a calling. You know, I've shared a story and I think a lot of dads relate to it where somebody asked me one time what I did and I told him I was a a speaker and a coach and I kind of cut myself off in the middle and I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm a dad and I'm a husband. And when I'm not doing that, I happen to be speaking and running this charity or writing books, but that's not what I do. My primary role in life is to be a great dad. And so if anybody resonates with what I just shared and wants to learn more, frontrowdads.com, check it out. We'd love to talk with you. Awesome. And I can tell you firsthand experience. I was there at the first retreat and I'll be there in a few weeks. And like you said, Johnny, it's one of those things where every time you say that, like, hey, this is your most important role. There's this deep, 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 deep knowing as a dad where it's like, I can't deny that, right? Like that's real. And uh, I'm so glad that you created that for dads to step up their game and be around an incredible group, an amazing group of guys that are there to support each other. So that's awesome. What about the Front Row Summit? At our Front Row Summit this summer, our second Front Row Summit. We did it last year. Yeah. And it was awesome. Anything you want to say about that? We don't even have a website. Just you got to like send us a letter in the mail or something. Facts. I don't even know. We will, by the way, very quickly. It'll be at frontrowfactor.com. You can see more about the summit. But yeah, guys, anybody that's listening that you feel moved by the Front Row Foundation and you're looking for potentially an organization that's purpose-driven, that aligns with your values, if what I should today just speaks to you or helps you come alive in some way, we'd love to talk about what it would be like to contribute with you. And so we put on this event and Johnny, you uh, masterfully hosted this last year in Cleveland. And what we do is we bring together donors and recipients and people that are just interested in the front row, all different types of people that came together who were just interested in co-creating the future for Front Row Foundation. And we did. We succeeded in just a couple of days. Major things happen. If we wanted to, we could literally spend the next hour talking about all of what went down at that event. We had incredible special guests. We had an incredible campfire experience that resulted in like crazy stuff, like, you know, major dollars being raised, big commitments. I think there's Tattoos. a, ta- a tattoo. There's a tattoo or four that came of that experience. Yeah. This just got real, folks. Listen, this just got real. I know you were just driving or working out, but there's tattoos involved here. Okay. That's great. No tattoos are required to attend, but I'll tell you, there were people that I think here's what's really cool. There were people that were moved enough to where they literally, I mean, I think it's crazy when I say it, but they literally tattooed the front row logo on their body at the end. (laughs) I mean, that's, but here's what's crazy. That's, I know that could scare some people off. So there's no need. It's not a, you know, there's no requirement there. I'm talking, by the way, the guy who did it is one of my best friends and he's been a front row supporter for 11 years and he stepped up and he's like, Hey, I want to hit 
our goal was to raise $100,000. He said, if we can hit this goal, I'll get front row tattooed on my body. And <laughs> literally, he showed me the picture is this massive, incredible tattoo. We had three other people that committed to doing it as well. Scott uh, we, got his tattoo. Two, two people have their tattoos now. And there's two remaining. So hey, hold on one second. Hey, Trent, are you here? Yeah. Hey, can we line up a tattoo artist to be <laughs> at the Front Row Summit? Let's see if we've made that. That's really funny. Oh, That's my really gosh. Funny. All right. So Front Row Summit, <laughs> you have to find us in person to get a hand invitation handed to you. So. That's awesome. And Johnny, this is great, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, Thanks for talking about the fun. book. We've been live streaming in the Miracle Morning community. There's still 30 people watching, or it just means... What's up, they... everybody? Hi, everybody. Hey, the do we have time to answer a question or two? Are there questions? Yeah, who's got a post? question? I anybody no want to pose? I have no idea how to make sure I can actually see like a live question, but I'll do my best. If somebody posts a question, because I just noticed... All right, um, I see the comments. Hold on, Dan Butler, Mike McCarthy, Hector. Oh, all right. look at all these comments. They've been commenting the whole time. I had no idea. All right, I'm going to rapid fire answer some of these questions, JB, okay? Oh, yeah, here they are. Sweet, let's do it. How do you figure out your front row when you love a lot of people? Great question, Don. Thank you for asking, by the way. My thought to you is this, that first of all, we need to trust our heart in doing so. That oftentimes when we ask, who are my top eight, we know the answer, but then our minds start trying to justify whether or not our hearts gave us the right answer. So I'd say, first of all, listen to your heart when making these decisions. Now, sometimes what I'll do is when I'm creating my top eight, I can do it by category. I can look at my family and say, in my family, who are my top eight? In my business, who are my top eight? And in the charity, who are the top eight? Or perhaps I could even say that my business and charity are very integrated. My business serves the charity in massive ways. So that's just the front row organization. Who are my top eight there? But it could be any category that you want. But the point is, I like to ask myself in total, in life, who are my top eight relationships? And ultimately, you are making choices, Don. You are choosing every day when you make a phone call or take a phone call. You know, when you either send somebody to voicemail or take their call, when you respond to an, you're making a choice. And oftentimes for people, they're just responding versus being intentional. The minute I got clear about who my top eight was, the phone would ring and maybe it was somebody not in my top eight. And I literally might push send a voicemail and then call somebody in my top eight. That's just me being intentional. It's not being mean. That's knowing that I only have a certain amount of time in the day and I need to know who are most important. All right, Don, so that was yours. Uh, Zach, you asked, where can we sign up for the dad's conference? John Kane spoke about wonderful things about it. Awesome. John Kane, the guy who got the front row tattoo. Zach, you can check it out. Frontrowdads.com. Frontrowdads.com. Uh, I'm looking here. Scanning. Where is Hudson? No one has heard of him, <laughs> says, says Mike McCarthy. <laughs> awesome. um, okay. Dan Butler, what are some great strategies for being in the moment? Can I field this one? And then I'll yes. hand it over to you, Johnny. Yeah, sure. All right. So a lot of coffee, Dan, will do it. A lot of coffee. And when you run out of coffee, just go to like five-hour energy. What are some great strategies for being in the moment? So I joke, I actually recently kicked caffeine about a month ago just to see what that would do for me. And it has actually only caused a lot of positive things in my life. What are some great strategies for being in the moment? I am a big fan of having a formal mindfulness or meditation practice. And I am not going to attempt to 
teach or advocate heavily for that here right now answering this question, I will encourage you to check out a good friend of ours, Juliana Ray, who is the apprentice of a guy named Shin Zen Young, who really, like, if you are curious about meditation, he's one of three people in the world that has created a global shift. And Juliana is his 20-year apprentice. And she has the sole right to teach his method. He just published a book called Science of Enlightenment. You want to go check it out? What a big title, by the way. You better have some good stuff in the book if it's called The Science of Enlightenment. But Juliana's website, Unified Mindfulness, unifiedmindfulness.com, she has some free videos that I would encourage anybody to go check out. They're all short videos that train their method of mindfulness. And outside of having a formal practice, I would say, Dan, it's important for it to be a priority, being in the moment. The irony is we might think of being in the moment as something that, okay, in the moment, I'll get focused on it. But I find that being in the moment has to be a priority. It has to be something that we want to be able to tap into at any given time, which means it is something that actually deserves being a practice. It deserves being something that we work on, even when we think we shouldn't need to. So... Johnny, that's a quick thought from myself on being in the moment. I bet you got some ideas. Yeah, I echo the Juliana Ray. You know, Johnny Kane and John Berghoff both introduced Juliana to me when I was about to do an endurance race. And that was a critical piece of finishing. And I think life is an endurance race and Juliana is a great resource. I also would say that questions keep us in the moment. Questions bring us back to focus of what it is that we want to experience. So I'm conditioning myself constantly to be looking out for front row moments. You know, I go back to setting the intentions for the day of how can I create front row moments? Then throughout the day, having a primary question that would be something like, how can I come back to this present moment and both recognize and create something from this? having a question that you are excited about that you ask throughout the day until you've conditioned your mind, maybe what you need to do is hang that up in a bunch of places where you'll see it, write it down, write it on a marker on your arm. It doesn't matter. But the point is until you've conditioned your mind, just like playing ping pong, (laughs) my wife loves to play ping pong. I had to say that to get Johnny B's attention right now. She has literally been practicing and I hear her say every other day, I'm going to beat John Berghoff when he comes to play. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that's interesting is that, you know, Tatiana will, you know, the more she practices as an example, the easier it is for her to just respond quickly in the moment. And she conditions her mind of how to play the game. Life is no different. We're just conditioning ourselves to be athletes, except we're using our mindset to be able to see the best in every moment. And we do it consciously at first. And then eventually it becomes an unconscious practice that occurs for us in the background. Now, I don't think it's ever fully unconscious, if you will, or that we stop practicing just just like anything with an athlete as the metaphor here, we need to keep practicing it. And so that's the key. Have a positive question that keeps you in that moment. Awesome. Johnny, Rachel asks, what's your favorite part of writing your book? The favorite part of writing the book for me, thanks, Rachel, by the way, great to have your question. My favorite part of writing the book was who I became through the process. It's the deeper sense of appreciation that I actually have for Front Row Foundation in digging in as deeply as I needed to in order to write the book. It was the connections of both talking with recipients and interviewing people. I feel like in writing the book, I became the biggest beneficiary of the process. And to me, that was a personal exploration. I think it's an accountability 
growth and knowing that these are words that are going to be shared with people I care deeply about. I took a lot of time and energy to think about what those words meant and my ability to articulate what the front row is and the benefits and the impact and how people can be moment makers has gone through the roof since writing the book. I don't think that I would have been able to get there as quickly had I not forced myself to sit down and write for hours and hours on end and to sit with deep questions and to ask myself, how can I articulate that? Both so that it makes me say, hell yes, that's it. But then also that it translates to others. So Rachel, thanks for asking. Johnny, I think we crushed it, man. Awesome. I think we crushed it. Hey, thanks for the questions, everybody. That was fun. Yeah. And if you're listening, by the way, and Rachel, for you or anybody that is interested in the launching of a book, we have a launch team that we've created, frontrowfactor.com slash launch. And you can see us launch the book. You can get an early copy, a free PDF of the book. And we'd love to have you see the process of how we get it out there, Rachel, if that's something for you, you're asking of interest of writing. All right. Johnny Vroman. Thanks, buddy. This is great, man. Thanks, Johnny. This is fun. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to our Achieve Your Goals listeners and viewers if you were here for the live stream. And we'll see all of you next week, episode 192, because I don't really keep track and you don't care. (laughs) Take care, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.